Hi, and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to uh, another episode of 9 to 42, the podcast from the guys behind uh, the Guitar Show UK. Um, Jason Hunt, my co-host, is looking absolutely resplendent on screen. How are you, Jace? I'm very well, Ant. How are you? I'm really well. I'm really well. Uh, I will divulge that you're sipping a daiquiri. Um, <laughs> I am, yes. Uh, based mainly on the fact that this is about the fifth time we've tried to do this five-minute intro and we've been having internet woes, haven't we? We have, and um, I went to Cuba last year on holiday and fell in love with um, daiquiris. Um, so I ploughing through the uh, many litres that we brought back with us, um, which were incredibly cheap in Cuba. It was like five quid for a litre of rum. Oh, it's, 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 it's a bit like when you go to Spain and you're picking up bottles of bourbon for less than a tenner, yeah. uh, uh, which is quite magical. Anyway, we digress. Um, as is our want pretty much most of the time. Um, so tonight, or today, or in this episode, is tonight, it started off as today, um, we've got an interview with, and I'll let you do the introduction. Glenn Matlock. Glenn Matlock. Um, which was fairly spectacular, actually, if I say so myself. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I didn't know really what to expect. Um, I've read his book a couple of times, I Was a Teenage Sex Pistol, and he does come across quite well in the book and quite down to earth, but you, you know, you never know. Um, but he was brilliant. Mm. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. How do you know him then? Well, I don't. Um, <laughs> uh, one of my uh, fellow tutors at BIM Birmingham um, does PR for him, and uh, she, we talked in the staff room sort of over coffee about trying to get Glenn along to the guitar show at some point. And then I got an email um, that he was doing some stuff for BIM and did Did anybody else want him to do anything? And it just seemed like the perfect opportunity, really. And, of course, it ended up being far more than Glenn. It ended up being a, a two-for-one because Earl Slick was in lockdown uh, living with Glenn at the moment in London. Yeah, that really was surreal um, to have the two of them in the same space at the same time, particularly the way they bounced off each other. Um, yeah, I mean, was, clearly they're really good mates, aren't they? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, really good mates, and it was. Uh, it felt a little bit like eavesdropping, but not in a, <laughs> not in a bad way. <laughs> not in a stalker uh, kind of way. Not in a stalker <laughs> kind of way. No, it was just. Uh, it was just. Yeah, fantastic. So, um, without any further ado, for once, we'll go straight in, and we'll play the interview, and then we'll uh, we'll have a little bit of natter at the end. All right. See you in a bit. Oh. Hello. Oh, there we go. Good. How are you? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm all right, actually. I've been quite busy. So, so uh, this is Ant. Hello, Ant. Morning, Glenn. How are you? Good. Well, I've got my coffee as well. I'll just nip down the corner. Oh, wow. You've still got places that are open and serving. A few places. A takeaway only. We've got a good little scene going on around the corner. There's a... There's a the mid-morning coffee club. Paul Weller lives around the corner. I bump into him most days. And oh, wow. A few other people. We just sit there socially distanced from each other. <laughs> so where are you in London? 
made a bell. Right, okay. It's informal, isn't it? I can sit back and relax. You can, yes, you can. can do whatever you like. I thought I had to be on show, but I'm not, so I'm going to... Great poster, by the way. Oh, that's, a, that's an original one. You know, I got that. There was a place, Westbourne Grove in London, yeah. about 12 years ago, and I got caught in a rainstorm. It really pissed down, and I was sheltering in a poster shop. <laughs> and they got all these really good posters in there, like Fellini and Eight and a Half and Alfred Hitchcock. And I had to kind of buy some time in there. So I was like, can I help you? <laughs> and I said, um, I said, yeah, how much is that one? And this is like 10, maybe 15 years ago. He said, oh, Fellini, he said, well, it is an original. I said, yeah, but how much is it? 12 grand. I went, what? Right, and then how much is that Hitchcock one? No, oh, that's 15. I went, what? I thought, how am I going to get out of this and keep driving? And I said, you haven't got the rebel Tony Hancock here yet. And he went, oh, I might have. And he went out the back and had a flip through. And um, he said, we got one. I said, how much? He said, 500 quid. And I thought, that's probably my all-time favourite movie. Have you seen it? I've yeah, not yeah. seen it. I've not seen it's, it. It's which a I'm... real savage indictment of the art world, and it still applies today. I will. Well, it's funny because I stayed in a hotel in Cambridge uh, last year, but at least about this time last year, and they had a fantastic um, full-size um, poster for the man in the white suit. Oh right, okay. Um, and that was on the other day. It was. It's on the iPlayer at the moment. Right. And I sat and I sat because I love the Ealing comedies. Uh, and I sat and uh, I sat and watched that the other day. And it's uh, that's a, that's a that's still got a message now. Yeah. Um, you know, really powerful. Yeah, but that was corporate greed, and, and um, yeah, yeah, could have, made, could have been made by the Luddites, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, so that was that was quite a nice. I had a nice afternoon. About the only thing I've watched actually, I thought I'd be watching loads of television. I've hardly watched anything. I've just been doing. I, I put a few things up online to try and sell some merch. Right, so it's gone bonkers, and I spent a week writing out envelopes and packing things and cross-referencing orders and doing kind of um, runs to the post office. And I got a little post office around the corner and this Indian lady runs it. And I just drop everything off with my mask and then she fills it all out, but they, they're not accepting, they're not having deliveries from there. So they stamp it and then I'll go around local um, um, <laughs> post boxes at dusk. <laughs> Some clandestine, but going back to the man in the white suit, yeah, here's my trigger question today. Do you know why saboteurs are called saboteurs? No, right? When and this, and, and there's computing is involved in this as well, since right. we're online, because there was the jack, I think it was the jacquard looms in France, yeah, which made cloth. There's a special jacquard kind of design. Mm, yeah. Um, but the way it worked was on punch cards. Okay. That told the needles where to yeah, go. where to go. And Ada Lovelace, who was a big, not a porn star, but she worked with Charles Babbage, was his sidekick. But she right. took her seriously because she was a woman back then. But she knew this and saw its potential as punch cards for telling how Charles Babbage's Universal admin machine could work, could be told what to do by right. cards. And he never made it because they didn't have the technology. It was, they sort of made something out of wood. But then, round the corner from me is a hotel where Alan Turin was born. 
And he remembered this whole story and he used that in the Second World War for his machine. Yeah, his machine. back to the saboteurs, they didn't like it. So the people who worked in the Jacquard mills, when this technology came in, which was putting them out of work, they tried to destroy the things and they destroyed it by putting their wooden clogs in the machinery. And in French, they're called sabots. So they're just saboteurs. Mm -hmm. So they, I'm just going to get that and tell them to go away. Hang yeah, on. Okay. There you go. So that's, uh, that's also for me getting out of telling you what I don't know about guitars. <laughs> uh, no, we're not going to talk about guitars at all. Um, no, it's uh, it's we, when we started this off, um, it, it, we're far more interested in, in in the people behind everything, the people behind music. The people, so it, this isn't a nerdy go through your gear and everything in sequence and why, what patch do you set this to and, and, and things like that. Um, cause it doesn't really work for either you or me, does it? Um, Jason? Not really. No. I'm a little bit about that, but yeah, not a lot. So yeah. All right. Yeah. You're currently, you were supposed to be on tour round about now, weren't you? So, um, well, I should have been on tour and finished. I was going to go, I, I toured with them about a year and a half ago, Dropkick Murphys. Mm. And they invited me to do their big, St. Patrick's Day show in Boston, you know, just an acoustic oh. opening up. I did a band tour with Elle, who was in the other room. Um, about a month back, we finished. Um, then I was going to do some solo shows, and then I was that got pulled. And then I was supposed to go to Canada, do a couple of shows, and then go back through the Northeast and end up in New York, where I was going to sit in on the mixing of my new album, which is still being mixed now, and then just hang out in New York at my mate's place, Mike Thorne, you know, produced Tainted Love. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. Very kindly puts me up. And he was the guy who signed the Sex Pistols to um, EMI. He was the junior A&I. Right, okay. Oh, I'll go over there. And we kept, so I was going to do that, and I was being offered more solo shows, which I like doing. So yeah. I, I was going to be doing all of that, and now I'm not doing nothing. Apart from sorting out your, your merch orders, how are you spending your days? Well, that's taken up quite a lot of time. I've had a good clear out of stuff. It's, um, I've been sh shredding old bank statements from like seven <laughs> years ago. I checked, washed the patio out the back and then run out the front and I missed some bits out the back again so I had to go back and do that and I missed some bits out the front so I had to go and do that again. Um, bought, a, bought a push bike but it's, it's, got, and it's an electric one so it helps you up the hills a bit but you still got to pedal it quite a bit. <laughs> which is good um yeah stuff and you said he said earl's in the other room yeah so is he literally camping out then he well yeah he, he didn't really want to go back to the states after the thing but i'll let him tell you about that you're going to speak yeah. to him after yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so he's he's here so have you had any thoughts to do, because a lot of artists have been doing things um, virtually, doing little kind of... Well, I know what you're going to say, and I've been asked to do a couple of things. I'm still amusing it. Right. right. Look, look, see... Right, this is the other side of my room. See that? Yeah. Yeah. Paint's coming off, right? Right. So that needs scraping off and then toshing up the whole place. And just before the lockdown was announced, I could see it coming. I went round the corner and bought two weeks worth of white emulsion. Now, Earl has kindly offered to help me with it. So I thought instead of doing this acoustic show, we could be me and him up the ladder and do a YouTube video of that with maybe right said Fred playing in the back. Because <laughs> we've got a very good 
Um, Walter Matto, Jack Lemon kind of thing going on. Yeah. I'm Jack Lemon. <laughs> well, it's... Probably it's, old it, it's... And he's... And by the way, Jack Lemon is up there as, as, I, as one of the greatest comic actors of yeah. all time, if not, you know, as good as anybody. And you know what's good about him? Come on. Time. <laughs> Should have seen that coming. Yeah. Um, 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 but we we did we Jason and I did talk a little bit about whether the, there'd be a little bit of a men behaving badly thing going on. Whether you would actually be filming some of your day to day because it would probably make really good, really good content. Maybe um, I don't know. I think people shouldn't be so nosy though. To be honest, right? right. Well, you'd have to choose <laughs> to do really it. But, yeah, no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You can give too much of yourself away, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. the idea of the two of you painting painting around the house. And, yeah. and listening to the chatter. You missed that a bit. Work. No, I have. A, yes, you have. Look, <laughs> you've heard, heard properly. <laughs> so you're still musing on the idea of doing something from from the house, then? Yeah. Well, I'm doing this now. I've done a couple of things. I've got a couple more things. I've been asked to do some um, BB sort of smaller BBC things to raise money yeah. for buses for essential workers to sleep right. in. Um, yeah, I'm going to yeah. do that on Saturday. A little bit trepidated because uh, I haven't really done one of those. But I'd never done a Zoom thing before until I did that talk thing the other day, and I quite enjoyed it. And it was a lot easier than I thought. So, mm. I mean, the only drag is is that tail end of last year and earlier this year over Christmas, I'm, we made an album, mm. um, and which is I got the last mix through yesterday. But it's probably a few tweaks online, so I've been doing it online. Um, but it's sods low because I should have been out touring then and been making the album now. But. I was listening to a, a podcast yes, literally yesterday with a guy um, from the band Gomez and he was talking about how devastating this is going to be for musicians simply because as far as where he was at, touring and merch is the only place to make any kind of money. Um, yeah. Basically, I mean, that's where I'm at, you know, what I'm doing now. I mean, luckily, I have a bit of money coming in. It's not a fortune from yeah. stuff I've done in the past. Um, but yeah, but I mean, the only, you know, so I feel like I'm almost starting over each time you put a new album mm. on. It's, it's like you're almost back to square one again, mm. almost. Um, but the one saving grace is that everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. So it's a level playing field, mm. really, you know. And how are you? Uh, and how are you able to start thinking about future dates? I mean, we've also heard that there's literally people are scrambling now to book venues for the end of this year and next year. Everybody's well, they, kind of well, rolling. Or and I had a few things in that have been moved back to September, and then they move back to somewhere else, and then move back. And then there's a packing order with things, you know. Yeah. They're trying to keep all the dates for their bigger kind of definite pools so mm. you get involved in that but I don't I mean I've got dates at the end of September October November I've been asked to go to Russia but whether it's going to happen or not yeah I'll just say yeah alright then, <laughs> yeah. And then Any- we'll see I mean perhaps it will will yeah. work but I I personally even if the faces my all time favourite pan were the original people you know just just per chance say it was the original lineup, and all the guys who died weren't died, and they were playing round the corner. 
tomorrow night, I'd be in two minds about going. It's my yeah. all-time favourite band. I'd be in two minds about going because I wouldn't want to be in a room with loads of other sweaty people coughing mm. and spluttering. So I should think everybody's thinking about that. So yeah. even if you do do gigs after lockdown, how many people are going to go? You know, yeah. don't be a harbing harbinger of doom, but. Um, no, I think well, that was an, a, a a point he exact point he made, which was this is going to definitely change how we how we all feel. I think because of the the extension and the period of time that we've been involved in, you are going to be thinking for the next however long. Do I want to be in those spaces? Again? Yeah, and the other thing, and all with blokes like me is you know gigging and merching. You know, everybody wants you to come out and shake hands and yeah. cuddle up to them and have your picture taken. And the last tour we did, we was up in Glasgow particularly, when it really started to become the news that this potentially might be happening. And, um, you know, I was like kind of cagey about it, but the Glaswegians all want to be your mate and they've had yeah. a good drink and they don't take it on board, it's not cool, <laughs> and get stroppy with you when you don't want to stand that close to yeah. them, you know. So it, it's a bit of a, yeah, it's a bit of a conundrum. Mm. But, you know, maybe slowly inching through things like this now. It's, it doesn't come that easier to me because I'm a bit older and I try and be um, tech savvy. But, yeah, a little bit at a time. It, you know, on Facebook, there's been loads of people singing stuff from their front rooms and like... Mm. And people DJ and some bloke is having a drink and it's got flashing lights. And, <laughs> No, <laughs> but maybe let some of that clear out the way, and then find a proper way of doing it a, bit, a little bit better. You know. Well, well ultimately, creativity is the thing that shines through, isn't it? So the, the, there will be loads of content at the moment. I mean, we are tripping over content, but it's the it's the stuff that's well thought through, and it's the stuff that's well produced that ultimately will will, will you know will stand up, and the rest will be forgotten about very quickly. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. One of the questions I wanted to ask was that, as you mentioned, the Faces, of uh, I'm also a massive Faces fan. You actually replaced Ronnie Lane, didn't you, in the Faces? Well, I stood in for him. I stood in for him, yeah. We didn't do that many. We did about 10 shows all, all together, which was a drag. I don't think they went about it the right way. <laughs> Around about the same time, <clears throat> Motley Hoople were doing some stuff. Mm. And they did five or seven nights. At- Hammy Odium, wasn't it? Yeah, and I actually opened up for them one show. They had different people supporting. I did an acoustic set and went down quite well, actually. But what happened was people came from all around the world to see them. And because they were already in England, they went every night. Mm. And I said to the faces, people, well, you know, you should do something like that. Just do it for the love of it. And it it will show that it's a going concern. That they, mm. You know, they're used to earning hundreds of thousand pounds a show with the Stones and Hutton and all that. So what's it like though? Because you know, I've uh, I read your book. Um, you know, uh, I was a teenage Sex Pistol, mm-hmm. and, and you talk at the start of it about how uh, Ronnie Lane was kind of like the inspiration for picking up the bass. Well, he was, yeah. I mean, amongst others, but he was a big one, yeah. But uh, what's it like actually, sort of like standing in for you know your primary influence? Well, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was the band that when I was 14 I used to stand in front of the mirror sort of miming when I couldn't really play to stay with me or something like that and the last show we did we played in front of 50,000 people at the Fuji Festival and I'm in the mm. band and then Rod didn't do it but Hunter was pretty good but playing mm. with Ronnie and Kenny and Matt and 
Jesse was um, Ronnie's son, played second. Mm. But I'd known Ian McLagan for a long time. He played, he played on the Rich Kids album on a track, and then he did a tour of us, and we got on like house on fire. I love his book. Oh yeah, it's great. I think it's one of the best rock books. Yeah, I think so as well. But, uh, there you go. Ah, there you go. Mine's got a different cover. Uh, you've got the hardback. I've only got the paperback. I think I've got a dedicated mine as well. Well, no, I haven't, the bugger. Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> to my old mate, Glenn, God bless you, mate. And the guy, you know. oh. yeah. yeah, it's truly one of the, the best rock books ever written. It, I, you know, that and um, what's the Ian Hunter one? Oh, Dario Rock and Roll Stop. Yeah. Well, I, that's, that's, I sort of based my book on that, just the style of writing. Yeah, very chatty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the highlight of the Ian Hunter one is when they're sat on top of the riot house in LA and he's got his Woolworth um, swimming trunks on. <laughs> it's just kind of... It's a long time since I've read it now. You have to... <laughs> I There's a bit in a discotheque where somebody, some w- woman wants to have a dance with one of them and then they soon realise it's not a woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the Lola moment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm, if if we're talking best best music biographies, I'm going to have to chuck in Victor Bocchus's Keith Richards biography. I think that's fairly I've stunning. I've got that in all, but I haven't read it yet. That's that's that's. I think that's the best biography of the Stones, actually. Effectively, is that uh, the, is that the one that came out not that long ago? I think they no. reissued it. It's and, been out a long time, but they reissued it. This one's nice, is that? Uh, no, that's Keith's own one. That's that's the one that Keith did. That's my life. Is that my life or whatever it's called? Of life. Yeah. 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 No, the Vic, the Victor Bocris one is um, that's got to be <clears throat> twenty five, thirty years old, but it's excellent. It, it takes it takes you up to about what late eighties. I think he's just on the solo albums. I, I just had a silly thought that instead of Victor Bocris, it was Victor Bulger. That'd be something, wouldn't it? That would have been something. That would have been something. So Jay, should we should we run through our five we've started a new thing. We've started a new thing where we've got five questions that we're going to ask everybody that does oh, an interview in the lockdown. So do you wanna do you wanna kick in, Jay? Yeah, okay. So the first question is uh, what's what thing in your career are you most proud of? Oof. There's a few different things. For um, I think some of the songs I've written since the Pistols that maybe not struggle, but it's hard to be taken. You know, everybody wants to know you for what you used to do, but there's, mm. there's that. Um, Doug playing with Iggy, Doug playing some shows with the Pistols. Um, Love doing the thing with the Faces. I like getting up. With, I stood in for Manny in, with Primal Stream. Mm. Um, yeah some tsunami benefit thing eight years ago there's lots of different things and things like that there um all depends what side of bed you get out in the morning Mm. you know what you think it's a bit like what's your favorite record or favorite movie Mm. well today it's this Um, yeah but then also in recent years i went to i got involved with um the dmz or dmz peace festival which was on the border of North and South Korea. Oh uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, uh, you know, you were the first UK musician to do that. Um, yeah, I think first one of anybody might have heard of. Um, 
because I'd had it a, a year or two previously. But I went and put, met this guy, whose nickname is Chacha, and he's like the Paul Weller of um, Paul Weller of Korea, South Korea. And so we learnt a few songs together. And then also we had another pickup band, this band called Crying Nut, who are like Korean New York Dolls, but with an accordion. <laughs> and we did a show and it went it, it went down fantastic. And and um I I'm gonna show you something, yeah. Yeah, so so we all go up from, from Seoul to the border on a train with the mayor of um mayor of Seoul gives this whole speech about international army and the, the stuff like that. And then we, we get to the village where the thing is, we meet the mayor of the village and the mayor of Seoul and the mayor of, they know each other and they're giving a speech which somebody's translating which basically they, they're complimenting each other who's still got the most hair left <laughs> and then I met the mayor of the village and he, they'd obviously not thought this one through but they thought they'd better give all the artists something so they gave me that <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, Pyeongchang Paralympic Games thing. They probably had more left over in the cupboard. I would give them that. <laughs> that was fun. Brilliant. Um, I love going to, going to Japan. We went and played um, Fuji Rocks Festival hmm. last summer with the whole band. Went down really well. You know, so. yeah, stuff like that. Cool. So, um, if you could have dinner with three other people, doesn't have to be music, um, who would it be? Oh, right. Well, it all depends what side of bed you get out of. Anthony Newley, mm-hmm. Tommy Still, mm-hmm. Catherine Epburn. Nice. That's, that's that's not a bad that's not a, not a bad list at all. That. <laughs> no. Um. So, uh, what's the best gig you've ever been to? Oh. Well, again, that depends. I think the one I'm, I really dug the most was seeing Humble Pie, the only time I saw him live in High Park supporting Grand Funk Railroad and blew him off stage. That was fantastic. When was that? When Peter Frampton was in the band, 71. Right, okay. Free thing, maybe. Peter Frampton was still in the band and he looked like a complete rock star. He had like an O'Donnell loom pants suit, you know, with tulip lapels and... and um, <laughs> tan colored um uh what you call them? cuban ill shit boots and his hair was blowing in the wind he just, he, i mean i'm not a big pete frampton fan but he looked fantastic but marriott was so good you know yeah. he did that thing where they turn the pa off and you could still hear him right at the back that was cool seeing the faces at wembley which i bought a ticket for when i was about 15 i had no idea who the support band was but went early to get me money's worth that was the dolls wasn't it the dolls yeah and it was the original dolls and that was i'd heard of them then because i'd started working for malcolm mclaren and they'd not long played beavers mm. malcolm mclaren and um what's his name mr freedom uh i forget his name for the time being he had city lights and he managed kilburn and the arrows I can't think of his name for a second. But they'd been going on about it. I was a bit too young to go to Beavers then and happened to go. So I heard about the New York Dolls. Mm. And it was the original band with Billy Dole on the drums. Yeah. Oh, was that, that, was that the tour when he died? Didn't he die yeah, in London? He died yeah. about a week or two after that. Yeah. I saw 
And I was playing with Biggie Pop in Chicago and we did four or five nights in this sort of big club, small theatre and we had a night off and on the night off, James Brown went and played. So I got in for free with this young lady I was knocking around with and we were the only two white people there and everybody, all the black guys were like super flies. <laughs> it was all like something out of, um, you know that movie, American Gangster? Yeah. Uh, that was pretty fantastic. Selfridges, a few years back, I went to a gig. Some Selfridges had been shut down in London, or a particular bit of it, and I was annoyed because it was the bit where you could get traditional like string vests and yeah, night shirts and things like that. And somebody said, "There's a thing going on." I said, "Come down." Oh, I don't know where to go there. I come down. It's in that bit. Oh, I went down, and there was all these people milling around. You know, when the store had shut, mm. and um. It's like chrome hearts and Louis Vuitton, like oh. concession stalls. Yeah. You know, everything you don't really need. And all of a sudden, the bloke in charge goes, right, everybody. He said, thank you for coming down. Now, I don't know if you realise, but we've called this section of the store the Wonder Room, and he's standing in front of the curtain. He said, I won't say too much, but we've got a special guest for you. And he pulled the cord curtain open, Stevie Wonder. And he did like a 35-minute... <laughs> solo set on a piano and oh, yeah. I was really, you know, I was eight mm. foot away from him mm. and he's, I could hear two women singing along all behind me, knew all the words. I turned around and it was Cilla Black and Joan Collins having a sing-along, having a girls' night out together. It was fantastic. <laughs> Stevie Wonder in Selfridges. And you know what? He probably didn't even realise he was in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> That was yeah. good. It's uh, I, I every year I go to uh, Nam in California, and, right. and Stevie Wonder's generally there uh, having a look at the gear. And every year I say to the students, "I saw Stevie Wonder. He never saw me." And, <laughs> and, and, and every year it's probably the best laugh I get in twelve months of teaching. <laughs> what piece of gear do you wish you'd never sold? Um, I did have um. And, and it came up to sale recently. I, I had um, a Gibson EBO short-scale bass. Mm. And I bought it because it fitted in the boot of my Sunbeam Malbon I used to have. But I was skint and I flogged it. And I agreed a price on the phone for the bloke. I had no money whatsoever. Christmas was coming up. Got the train to the tube to where I thought it was. And it, the place in South Norwood, the train didn't go there. So I got a cab and went to go and pick up the money from this bloke. And he knocked me on it, and I had no money to put, and I had a cab outside. And I had to accept his offer, because I wouldn't have been able to pay for the cab. And it came up for sale, and he, he wanted me to authenticate it, that I used it in a second, but I never actually did So he came unstuck in me. <laughs> 20 years later. Elephant's memory, that's me. So that was good. Um, I also had a really nice 61 precision bass that I'd used with Big E and all the, all the pistols were unions. But it, I got burgled and it got stolen. So I didn't sell it, but um, it went. And the, the final question we got on our quick fire, I think is, uh, what's the first thing you're going to do post lockdown? Oh, I don't know. Go out on a date. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Yeah, go out on the date.
I was going to say go to the coffee shop. I managed to do that. Anyway. Do, that. I know, do you know what? It's, I don't tell anybody, but life isn't really that much different from a sort of a, a musician who's sort of a bit up and down with their work. Mm. And you know, go to a coffee shop and there's one around the corner. I always sit outside anyway. Well, I can't sit outside, but you can just sit on the step on the corner. Mm. Everybody else who's of a like mind does the same kind of thing from mm. a distance. It's not that much different, really. <laughs> the only other thing is I bought myself a push bike. And so I've been getting around London a bit more for some exercise. Mm. And the best place to go in London at the moment is right in the middle of the town. There's nobody there. Mm. You know, like Mayfair and mm. I don't know, well, you know, London and Shepherd's Market, where they filmed a lot of the Avengers. Mm. Yeah. He's supposed to have lived in a muse there. And um, if you look at the Avengers episodes, there's nobody in it apart from the main characters because they probably filmed it like six or seven o'clock in the morning. And it's exactly the same. So it's like being in the Avengers. The only <laughs> thing that's in it is Emma Peel. Well, Emma but Peel. I'm working on it. <laughs> So uh, I've only got one question and left, really. Uh, oh no, we didn't. We didn't talk about pointless. Uh, no, you've <laughs> got to ask about that. Go ask about that. Yeah, pointless. How was that? No, but it was fine. I shouldn't say too much about it because they keep repeating it, and it's like people say you're right to you. They say you're on pointless again, and I write back and say, "Well, how did we do this time?" <laughs> it was fun. I like doing things like that. When Slim Jim was over and staying with me and um i think my flat seems to be a, a bnb for um itinerant american rhythm <laughs> sections you know, clemson <laughs> was there sometimes and stuff yeah and it was like do you want to do that or oh, slim jim's here let's do it just did it for a laugh really and i'd met alexander what's his face a couple of Armstrong. times yeah and the other the statistician uh, guy richard you yeah. know richard, you yeah. do radio things and all that and you bump yeah. into these people they're kind of cool Sure. But mm. I didn't think we got that far. But Slim Jim did well um, mm. with his American president thing. But they do call you up beforehand and ask you not, you know, what questions you want to ask, but what kind of thing you might be interested yeah. in. So they could they cater it towards Slim Jim. Right, mind. okay. Because yeah, when we first started, he was going, well, I'm not from America, you know, I don't know what he's from. Yeah, I mean, I bet he didn't do particularly well on the Barbara Windsor question. No, but he does. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a, an anglophile, right? He's got a subscription to Viz magazine, <laughs> and when I toured with him before, we did this dead man walking thing, turning around a few years back. We've got an ongoing joke in the motorway. He'd ride shotgun in my car. I like driving to gigs because it's better than sitting in the back of the van. Mm. And we've noticed that everywhere you go, the, the road signs don't have the full name on it. You know, we think it's wrong because if you can't have the full name of a place on a road sign, when can you have it, right? <laughs> you know, and there's like Beeham and mm. Mancustrup mm. and places like that. Peacemouth and, yeah. Yeah, and um, S. Coolfield and all that. And we reckon there's a world letter shortage. <laughs> and the, the Eastern Europeans and the Welsh have got all the consonants. <laughs> <laughs> so we had silly things like that and I think we wrote a letter to Viz about that and we, and we tried to plug the gig and we come up with like kind of £1.50 between us and the used Bazooka Joe chewing gum and all that and they didn't they didn't um, print it and then we met the guys 
And they said, oh, well, we got the letter. We remember getting a letter, but we didn't think it was you and we didn't take it seriously. Now, our biz needs to take anything seriously. <laughs> but I asked a guy, one of them, who, how they got going. And he said, well, we used to do it in our bedroom. Hmm. And um, now they're from, they're from sort of Newcastle or mm, something mm, like that. And, mm. Or Sunderland. And they said, we were doing really well. And their mum and dad, we were both disabled and couldn't get up the stairs. And they didn't know, had no idea about the scurrilous things they were getting up to until a BBC film crew came down to film them at the upstairs and it all came out. <laughs> so then I had to start in sort of um, explaining about somebody in these unfeasibly large testimonies. <laughs> yeah, to see, that's where I was going to go. Buster Gonad was the first place you're going to go, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, I, I, well, I, 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 was it Roger Melly, the man on the telly? I yeah, yeah. And he's swearing guide. Yeah, Profanosaurus or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Put it somewhere, yeah. yeah. Uh, I suppose the, the last question uh, is kind of like a relatively serious question. Is how do you feel about your legacy when you kind of look back? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't look back. I try not to look back. I try and live in the present look to the future and doff my cap to the past. I, mm. I wouldn't even think about it apart from blokes like you asking me about it a lot. And you haven't been too bad, but some people are dreadful. Um, yeah, it's just what I did, really. I, I quite like this Keith, I, quote by Keith Richards. I read some while ago, some bloke did a big in-depth interview. And he said, one final question, Keith, you know, how much is a pint of milk anywhere? Oh, I don't know, man. You know, I've been a rock star all my life. How would I know? Well, I've kind of got a rough idea how much a pint of milk is, but if you ask me, but it's like being a, you know, being asked about pistols, I've never known any different. You know, people have asked me since the band started, and um, it's just I've never known any different. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm just always looking to the next song I write. Which fair enough. I think it's probably the healthiest attitude you can have. I've, I've got one question, which isn't serious. Here we go. Because ever since you mentioned Paul Weller, mm. uh, and I apologise for this because there's a little bit here in terms of accent as well, I was going to ask, and obviously with the people coming in and out of your house, is it a bit Stella Street where you are? Is it a bit like, you know, Michael Caine, nosy neighbour, and then a whole load of celebs just, just, just popping around for coffee and... Well, I don't come out. coffee, but you bump into them in the street. But there are a few people around there. Lulu lives around the corner. Oh. I nearly run her over on the ship, on the the um, on the zebra crossing a couple of years back. <laughs> it was one of those things where I stopped to let somebody go. It was dark, and somebody on the phone wasn't going to go. So I was going to go, and then they decided to go, and then I stopped, and then they wasn't going to go. And uh, it spun on about three and four times. I just put my foot down to go, and she stepped right out and looked at me. And was like, ah, it's Lulu. <laughs> nearly <laughs> There's a thing on the canal every year, I doubt if it happened this year, the Canal Cavalcade at Whitson weekend. Mm. And last year I was there, just walked down there, sitting on a bench with me coffee, and on the barge opposite there was um, a a, a jazz band playing who were pretty good, and this woman came out in a sort of hyacinth bouquet hat singing, um, what's the song? Like Bill Bailey or you know, well, mm. you yeah. or some song like that, but she meant it because she had 
unrequited love, but she was pissed. But it was quite funny, but the music was stomping along, and this bloke come and sat down and sat next to me tapping his foot, and I looked around, it was Baldrick. <laughs> Tony Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> so that was quite a good moment. Yeah, there's a few people around me. Yeah, so it is a little bit Stella Street then. A little bit yeah. Stella Street, yeah. But, you know, people are cool, nobody bunch of... Yeah. But, um, I like that. Everybody's got to be somewhere. Yeah. Well, I like that they're all around you. I think it just, I've got a really nice image of that. It's given me a yeah. bit of a warm well, glow. I, I, I've been here the longest, I think. So. <laughs> I was born up the road, yeah. our road boy. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of things that we, we've, we've exhausted our list. And, yeah. and, and to be fair, thank you for your time because we were only going to keep you for sort of 20, 25 minutes, but I think we've been double oh, that. 11.42, okay. All right, cool. Yeah. So uh, it's been fascinating. So we're back, and that was uh, and that was Glenn Matlock, and what a fantastic fella he is! Oh yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, just amazing. Second Sex Pistol I've met, um, and both of them have been incredibly nice. Uh, met Johnny John Lydon, Johnny Rotten. Uh, Ten years ago, maybe a bit more than that, actually in Toronto at North by Northeast Festival. Um, and he was just as nice to me. He was um, Johnny Rotten on stage and all snarling at the press. And then off stage, he uh, he was very concerned about me because he could see I'd got uh, England on my delegate pass, and uh, I was really suffering from hay fever on the day. And he was he was just quite concerned about me because I looked such a mess. Um, so both both yeah, I know, which is not what I was expecting. No, not at all. No, uh, but, well, I no, you gone, you gone. I just it was it was quite I was say Glenn was quite interesting because you know we didn't talk about the Sex Pistols at all really, um, no. and I was quite conscious about not talking about it because you know I, I I struggle with this whole kind of reunion thing because what you did when you were twenty one I don't want to do what I did when I was twenty one again no and I don't want to be in a band with people I was in when I was twenty one either. Um, so, uh, you know, I can understand that when you reach Glenn's age, which I'm assuming is probably about 60, it's so far in the past that, you know, it probably doesn't really mean anything to you anymore. No, he he, um, he seemed to have a very healthy outlook on everything with the, with the whole, you know, doff of a cap to the past, but always looking towards the future. Which I thought was which I thought was really nice, um, and I think it also it spoke volumes when he talked when he talked a little bit about the change, the way the world's going to change, and that he wouldn't you know he'd he'd think twice about going out this week to go and see the faces if the original lineup by some you know divine in- intervention was able to to get together and play again and was playing around the corner he'd still think twice about going out and being in that environment which really talks to how where we are at the moment has affected that whole thing of live music it's going to be a it's going to be a really interesting journey how we get back to live performance and whether it will ever be the you know the way we've 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 enjoyed it in the past oh, i think it will I think you know. Um, I, I'm reminded of Toronto because one of the reasons why uh, John Lydon was a bit concerned about me um, was because it was just after the SARS thing that they had in right. Toronto, which you know, in hindsight now wasn't too bad at the time. Felt you know really quite mm. scary, 
And six months after the SARS crisis in Toronto, they had a concert in the park to celebrate it, and half a million people turned up. Yeah, so yeah. I think people forget quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're probably right. It was just very interesting that he made that he made that point, which I thought was, uh, you know, I thought was I thought was fascinating. But yeah. no, I mean, what a what a what a what a you know, really a, a real treat to spend some time talking to him and and. You know, and and what a raconteur he turned out to be with his his stories and his you know kind of sort of slightly unique little celebrity village they've got going on down there. <laughs> Stella Street, yeah. Stella Street, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, slightly surreal. Um, I, I do want to hang about at that um, that sort of like summer festival thing they have down yeah, the canals. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it great. Yeah, great. So. Um, so next week we're we're going to do the other half of of the interviews from that day because as you mentioned earlier on we we ended up speaking to Earl Slick for you know for quite a while after we'd spoken to Glenn. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I honestly thought when um, Sasha sort of like gave me the nod and said we could do this that we'd get them both on screen and it'd be about twenty twenty five minutes and that was it. But it, you know, it turned, and you know it'll be edited, but we've probably got close to two hours worth of conversation. Yeah. Before yeah. editing, yeah, yeah, it. Uh, I, th- I think when I looked and um, at what we originally had with Glenn, there was there was about an hour, and I think it ended up coming down for me, not because it, there was anything wrong with the content, but you know the phone rang and a few other things, so you lose bits of audio. But yeah, he was very very giving of his time, and uh, and well, Earl didn't have much choice; he had nowhere else to go. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, and he did ask if we could do this on a weekly basis because it was someone different to talk to. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, which was all part of what is obviously quite an unusual thing going on in their house at the moment. But uh, okay, well, um, well, thanks for listening. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed them all so far. Actually, they've all been different in their own uh, in their own kind of unique way. Um, you know, please. Please leave us a review. Please subscribe. Please let us know what you think. You can get in touch with us through all the uh, social channels. Which are, Jace? I'll let you remind me. Uh, uh, it's the the Guitar Show UK on all of them. So, you know, facebook.com slash the Guitar Show UK or at the Guitar Show UK on Instagram and Twitter. Mm, perfect. And you will recall that a couple of weeks ago we talked to you a little bit about the fact that we were going to uh, put some Patreon packages up there. Um, just to help with support of the show and you know helping to sort of keep bringing the show to you as regular as we are, um, we haven't forgotten about it. Um, we've just both been a bit snowed to get round to the logistics of actually building the page and all those kind of things. So uh, we've we've kind of made a um, an agreement between the two of us that we'll get on with that over the course of the next week. So there'll be an update on that. You know, in in uh, in, next, in next week's show, we just need to we need to pull a finger out, Jace, basically, don't we? It's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've got I've pretty much there i just need to build it now yeah yeah so we are we have we have it sounds like we've it doesn't coincide with the weather being really good so don't think of it that way all the daiquiris all the daiquiris nothing like that nothing like that anyway uh take care of yourselves stay safe um and from uh the lager sipping me and the daiquiri sipping jace we'll see you uh we'll see you next week cheers see you bye-bye Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. 
For more information about 9242, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at The Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Thank you.